Well, greetings. Welcome to The Dividing Line. My name's James White. We've got a lot to cover today. My goodness, this is a bright shirt. <laughs> you know, when you're wearing it, you don't, you're not looking down at it, and you don't see quite as much light reflecting off of it. <laughs> Sorry about that, but it, it does look a little bit like a Kuji, uh, but it's much, much cooler than a Kuji, because uh, it needs to be. It'll be about 106 here in Phoenix, and heading straight back up over 110. We, we finally broke the string, though. Uh, we, uh, we had 31 days, 31 days of 110 and above and set a new record for 115 and above too. Um, and it's so weird because June just wasn't summer. So we're just all catching up. Anyways, we've got two guests on the program that's very unusual. It's very unusual to have one guest. Um, but to have two guests is really, really unusual. And, uh, so, uh, got about half an hour with each uh, guest and I may go a little bit longer than that to cover the arrests in Watertown, Wisconsin. Ben Zeisloft um, and uh, uh, the Republic, Sent- Republic Sentinel uh, doing a good job covering this. You won't find this story anywhere else, obviously, because we don't have um, any journalists left in the United States, at least in the ma- lamestream media. Uh, they won't talk about these things, but the arrests uh, of... Young Christians protesting the sexual perversion of and perversity toward children in Wisconsin. Uh, we, we may get an opportunity toward the end to look at that. All right. But first, uh, I was asked to look at this video a while ago, and I was slow in getting to it because, well, I've got a lot of stuff I have to be reading and studying and stuff like that. But a New video has been produced by Ancient Paths TV uh, called The Failure of Eastern Orthodoxy. Nothing like winning friends and influencing people with the titles of the videos. The Failure of Eastern Orthodoxy, two hours and 16 minutes long. Um, and it was interesting because I received a request from the seminary where I teach for resources on Eastern Orthodoxy. Uh, just a, a a few days before I finally got around to um, not so much watching this, uh, I should have watched it. I listened to it. That's how, you know, when you drive everywhere, you have lots of time in the truck, and that's how you catch up with stuff. That's the only way I can do it. I don't have anybody to do it for me. I don't have a bunch of grad students to listen to stuff and give me summaries. Believe you me, I have figured out who does that. Um whenever they misrepresent me uh, because their grad students didn't understand me. So that's not how I do it. And I listened to it and immediately realized it was going to be a great, 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 great resource for people to have. And so I asked uh, if we might have the opportunity to have the, uh, the, the brilliant scholar, the, um, the, 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 the man who, who has only produced one clinker video. <laughs> <laughs> Brother Wallace from um, now he's not with us via video, and I don't understand that part because I, as I just explained, go ahead and, and bring our brother on, uh, Rich. Um, yes, um, Jason, I, I I wanted to just remind you that um, your face is clearly seen. <laughs> on all of the debates that we do in Salt Lake City, um, are you thinking people just don't make the connection, or or, or what is it? 
I've been told I have a face for radio, so. Well, uh, so do I. And you, it, you should have realized, if you're on with me, I make everybody look handsome. So um, there there you go. Um, so anyway, uh, you all just go find uh, the last debate that, uh, that Jeff Durbin and I did up at the University of Utah. Um, freeze frame the, the screen when the moderator is speaking and there, there's Jason. And that way you just put it up on the screen and, and you'll go, okay, fine. Uh, there you go. So you've done videos. I mean, ancient paths, isn't that, that's, that's the, the title you used for the TV show long, long, long ago, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Going back to 2006. Okay. All right. And in fact, I remember the first time I was on with you in that little TV studio, studio type place. That as you'd as I as I was sitting there, and we were talking. If you look past the camera, um, you saw another little studio type thing set up for some other guy. That you <laughs> am I am I right about that? Oh, yeah, she was right across from me. Yeah, Sean McCraney. Yeah, yeah, Sean McCraney's uh, uh, little studio thing he had was right across the way. So, uh, you know that that's a, that seems like a long time ago. It really wasn't, I guess, but it was sort of indicative of just how weird uh, Salt Lake City was and has become even weirder, if if that's possible, uh, over the years as far as stuff goes. So, given that, I, I get. Um, you know, you've done stuff on homosexuality and obviously Mormonism. Uh, most people don't know, uh, the vast majority of people don't know, that, and if this has changed, please let me know, but when we were up there only a few months ago, the entirety of the Salt Lake City City Council claimed to be LGBTQ. Am I, am I correct about that? Not the entirety, but the majority for the first time in their history. Okay. Very proud I of thought them. it was the entirety, the so it's just the majority. Okay. So there's still a few straight people around, huh? Okay. All right. Well, um, yeah. Um, who would have... I remember when the homosexuals first showed up at General Conference. That was in the late 90s. And boy, was that a an uncomfortable <laughs> confrontation uh, back then. Uh, but that, but the the shopping center was still across the street from Southgate and all the rest of that kind of stuff back then. A uh, lot has changed in in Salt Lake City, so I get dealing with the LGBTQ stuff because that's happening. I mean BYU and everything else like that. I never ever saw that coming. I figured the only the only people who would be standing strong at the end were going to be the Mormons on that. But so so much for that idea. But. Eastern Orthodoxy, I mean, they're really, um, there aren't, I, I, I know there are Eastern Orthodox in Salt Lake City. There's everything in Salt Lake City. I, I don't think there's a cult known to man that's not somewhere in Salt Lake City. So what, what made you want to spend the large amount of time? I mean, anybody knows producing a video of two hours and 16 minutes, unless it's one of the videos where you've got people who just like to hear themselves talk sitting at their kitchen table with a fan in the background. It's easy to do two hours and 16 minutes, but you did all sorts of graphics and 
and quoted all sorts of uh, Eastern Orthodox sources, this took some time to do. What would be the motivation? Honestly, it's a lot like Mormonism. And we're watching a fair number of former Mormons embrace Eastern Orthodoxy. Dave Bartoshowitz uh, has been very public in promoting Eastern Orthodoxy among former Mormons. I've watched people, um, you know, you and I have a mutual friend. We've, we've seen go Eastern Orthodox. It's, it's become the hip thing, and it's really not that different from Mormonism. It's, it's a works-based religion. It has a fake history. Uh, it, it's, it's Catholicism with lots of mystery. <laughs> That's an interesting way of describing it. See, my introduction to Eastern Orthodoxy was, was a little bit different. And I've, I've had two major influences um, in looking at Eastern Orthodoxy. Um, I started out many, many, many moons ago, literally right as the internet was was ramping up, uh, back in the BBS days, the bulletin board system days, open Bible echo and stuff like that. Somehow, I don't remember exactly how, I started having conversation with an Eastern Orthodox fellow and it wasn't, you know, so much of the conversation when it's public today, people jump in and and emotions get ramped up real fast and it, it just becomes a food fight really fast. That That's not how this conversation went. It was more private. And this was an Eastern Orthodox fellow that understood and had done reading um, in Reformed theology. And so there was more of a more of a meaningful conversation going back and forth between us. And um, he was one of those guys, in, as, as you know, historically, there was even a patriarch that, uh, after the Reformation, started reading Reformed theology and started embracing things like that. And So he was someone who was much more open to that and much less like what you would find in a lot of the quotations that were used in, in the video from Orthodox sources. And so he was... There, there seems to be, there seemed at that time anyways, to be a little bit more of a variation that was available. And then, of course, I started going in 2000 and, ugh, uh, I don't know if my first trip was in 2014 or if I went once before that. I think it was 2014 because that's when, I think that's when the, re- the revolution took place. Um, but I, I started going to Kiev and... The people that I was working with there in Ukraine were all um, evangelicals and of a pretty conservative stripe. And so orthodoxy was just considered to be sort of the poisonous atmosphere of nominalism uh, there in Ukraine. And I didn't see a whole lot of meaningful interaction going on. Um, And of course, most of the Orthodox there in Ukraine, very, very nominal, very, very cultural. Um, You know, you've got all the big, beautiful churches and you've got all the icons and you've got Energaia and uh, you go to those places to get your energy and that kind of, it's more of a superstitious folk experience type stuff 
um, not a whole lot of give and take as far as theology and that kind of conversation goes. And then you get here in the United States, and you you get an Americanized version, uh, where instead of in Ukraine and Russia, where the liturgy is the primary source of theology and stuff like that, once that gets translated here in the West, it, it's sort of it seems to me that the Orthodox apologists just can't resist the temptation to be become pretty much mere images of Roman Catholic apologists. They're arguing against Sola Scriptura. They're arguing um, a lot of the people in the East. They just don't they don't do debates because they don't think in that way. It's 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 foreign to their way of thought. Um, you get over here in the United States. There's nothing you can do about it, and so they end up making pretty much the same arguments that Rome does on a lot of the same issues, um, just not so, without the same emphasis that we have uh, in Eastern Orthodoxy. So you started off the, um, well, actually, you started off with a lengthy uh, clip from, and, and the problem here was it was all in Russian, and I'm driving. <laughs> so I, I didn't get to see the translation, but my, my recollection is that it had to do with this split that has taken place between the Russians and the Ukrainians and the war, and we're really seeing that orthodoxy is much more fractured than the external picture seems to present it to be, and that politics have demonstrated that that fracture. Is that sort of where that initial uh, video was going? Actually, it's even worse than that. It's it's Patriarch Kirill's telling the Russian nation that if someone dies in battle, that in fulfilling their duty, they are committing sac- uh, they're doing a work of sacrifice, and that there is assurance that if they if they die in sacrifice, their sins will be washed away. Yeah, that's not the first time that's been offered to folks. Um, I seem to recall the popes doing that during the Crusades, uh, plenary indulgences to, as long as you were wearing the sign of the cross, then um, there you go. You, uh, you, you have forgiveness of sins and things like that. And uh, so that's the same thing. Ha- but that's, in that context, it would be Eastern Orthodox battling Eastern Orthodox. Uh, it's, it's, yeah. a, it's an internal... Uh, conflict as far as that's concerned yes very much and bartholomew's trying to aid the splitting off of the ukrainian church from the russian from uh from the russian patriarch uh, and that's that's in the background ground as well but i i've had people i've had protestants tell me it was unfair to play the clip from kirill uh, because they say everyone knows he's a political hack i've also had Eastern Orthodox tell me that there was nothing wrong with what he said. But this works righteousness has never gone away. It's 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 it defines everything from the late fourth century to today in Eastern Orthodoxy. Yeah, well, uh, one of the, the key issues, of course, is uh, anthropology, uh, harmartiology, the, the doctrine of sin. The, the, this is a ama- you know, my. My understanding has always been that that Eastern Orthodoxy is basically the traditional position of the 7th and 8th centuries fossilized. It has been frozen in time. And while there can be, you know, 
arguments over the uh, calendar and uh, stuff like that, the defining essence, what we would call the theology, they would say the you know the apostolic tradition, um, it was frozen in time. It, it can't it can't change without fundamentally altering the nature of the claims of orthodoxy, but that the the traditional position that has been formalized, fossilized, uh, turned to stone is that of the 7th and 8th centuries. It's not that of the apostolic period. It is uh, uh, post, not only post-Nicaea, it's post-Chalcedon. It's really uh, the essence of the second Nicene Council that is just so problematic. There are so many issues with that that you you don't you dove into those as far as contradictory counsels. I I tweeted out the video and uh immediately people started coming down on me. Thank you very much for that by the way. Um I appreciate. I I need all the friends I can get, and so uh, when 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 my friends actually help me to get more friends, it's it's great to do that. Um, <laughs> but uh, I tweeted it out, and they they started coming after me, and the the reasoning of the argumentation really concerned me <laughs> a great deal, because I mean one of the very first responses was, well, that council that they mentioned. Uh, that couldn't have been a, a an ecumenical council because these are the things that are necessary for an ecumenical council. And I'm like, you do realize that all that stuff and all those standards developed later, right? At the time, no one was thinking that way. No one could have could have understood what could be and what could not be a general or ecumenical council and stuff like that. That that all came about at a much later time period. And it's like they they can't reason in a logical order, historically speaking. It's like, no, this is this is what our tradition says, and that's pretty much all there is to it. Um you 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 can't you can't change that, you can't question that. And I'm like, but but historically it developed over time and, and it's just it just doesn't doesn't seem to register with them at all. Um I'm sure you've gotten a lot of just you've you've probably just gotten positive comments on the video, right? <laughs> uh, hardly. I, I I've been calling. I one of my favorite comments was now silence demon. Yes, I saw but... that. I saw that. I, I saw that. Um, and and I, you know I... you've you've gotten that from Mormons and things like that. But yeah, that was a new group to add to your your fan base. But um, oh yeah, uh, but. You, you have you tried to engage? Uh, have you found any that looked like it might be worth trying to reason with? I've been invited on uh, Craig Trulia's podcast. I'll probably take him up on that. Oh, I wanted to find out a little bit about him before I did that. But, yeah. Um, uh, I've got lots of people keep posting over and over debate Jay Dyer. Uh, yeah, I, I have. I have no de- desire to debate Joe J. Dyer. I would love to see you do it. But, uh, you're the debater, <laughs> not me. Uh, I, I prefer making videos. Thank you. But, yes, yes. Uh, that don't include your face, evidently. Yes. 
I, I did live TV for over seven and a half years. And I'm a painful introvert by nature. And so it was really good to get out from in front of a camera. Ah, uh, ah, uh, okay. All right. Well, well, we'll, we'll let that one slide. Yeah. Well, whenever, whenever everybody brings up Jay Dyer, I'm sort of like, well, which, which religion is he a part of today? Um, because he's, he's been everywhere. And, um, that, that may be something that, that, that will happen in the future, but I'll just be honest with you. I, I sort of doubt that most Orthodox in Ukraine would really be able to figure out where in the world the guy is coming from. Um, he's a good example, in my opinion, of what I was talking about earlier. And that is once you get over here in the West, um, the language, the lang- orthodoxy in its native lands, in its best forms. So not the, not just the nominal form, which is predominant, um, but in its, in its best forms, in the native lands, doesn't use um, forensic argumentation. It doesn't think in those categories. And that makes it really, 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 really hard for us to interface with those types of folks. That's not really what people are converting to here in the U.S. Um, I, I, I have to wonder honestly if part of the popularity right now of the Orthodox movement isn't a result of the fact that everybody recognizes that Francis does not believe what his predecessors believed. He's, he's, everybody can tell that, you know, if you, if, if you're, if you're longing for the smells and bells and you're longing for the ancient church standing in the midst of time stuff, uh, Francis is sort of a, a, a clinker contradiction to that. I mean, you, you can just tell he's modern. He's he's different um, from what has been in the past. And I really wonder how much that has to do with people who are looking for something different than. Uh, well, you saw you saw the video, didn't you, of uh, Sunday's uh, sermon, Sunday's uh, service at Saddleback. Did you see it? No, I hadn't seen that yet. You haven't seen that yet. Are, are you I'm living? In, are you I'm living in a sticks. cave? What I mean, come on! Living in the desert, I'm living in Utah. Well, did, uh, I know, but you still have the internet there. Um, I mean, it was it was they're doing. Uh, I, I guess this is popular in evangelicals. I've never been in a church that's ever done this, but they're doing. Um, Life in the movies, uh, movie Sunday, something—I don't know what you call it—but where you do something based on some popular movie, and they're doing Toy Story four, and uh, this is, of course, Rick Warren's old haunts, and the new pastor and his wife, and I saw somebody saying, "Isn't sh- isn't she Warren's daughter?" That's what somebody said. So I mean. Now we're passing things down through the woman's line in the church. That's great. Anyway, the, the the new pastor and his wife come out dressed as Toy Story characters. Um, I think he was Woody and she was little Bo Beep. And so that that's what that's what I'm seeing is is these people coming out and and greeting everybody 
uh, dressed as Woody and Little Bo Peep. And so I get why people look at that and go, you know, there there might need to be something a little bit more reverent. You know, I mean, maybe worship isn't all about making ourselves feel good. <laughs> you know, so they start they start looking around for something and uh, these churches offer themselves up. Um, but one of the things you dove into that I found interesting, and I wanted to see if I can, um, except I just realized, uh, Rich, can, can you, can you do my screen? I've, I, I totally spaced, uh, doing this. You can see it. All right. Let me make sure that you're getting the, uh, uh, sound should be here. And I'm not. I hope that uh, I hope that Jason can hear this. But this is uh, 16 minutes and 50 seconds uh, into your sermons. Aren't two hours and 16 minutes long? Are they, Jason? Not hardly. Not hardly. <laughs> you've never. You've never. What's the longest you've ever gone? I might have gone 50 minutes one time, but really, I was. I was wow. I, Wow. I used to I used to I used to be good at limiting myself in that way. And then once I got to Apologia, uh <laughs> Sunday's Sunday's sermon from Jeff was an hour six, and that's pretty much spot on for him. And I I, I now struggle to stay under an hour myself. Uh it's it's hard. But anyway. Uh so this is uh sixteen minutes in. Uh hopefully you'll be able to hear it. If not, I'll I'll fill you in. But let let's see if this is gonna gonna work for us. It's, it's okay. It's sort of quiet here at the beginning. Eighth century monk John of Damascus insisted icons weren't simply permissible, but absolutely necessary to the Christian faith. He said those who refused to venerate them weren't warring against images, but against Christ and his saints. He was declared a heretic by the Council of Hyeria in the year 754, but 33 years later the Second Council of Nicaea declared him a saint. This link between icon and gospel is greatly emphasized by St. John of Damascus. And his three homilies on the holy icons are still the best patristic work for anyone to read who wishes to enter into the meaning of the icon. John's three treatises on divine images became the basis for Second Nicaea's demand for the veneration of icons. He pointed out that Abraham had bowed or offered proskinesis to the people of the land, and Joseph's brothers had offered him proskinesis. John argued this was a fundamentally different reverence from Latreia, which is the worship of God alone. If Joseph's brothers bowed to him, surely we should also bow to icons. If Christians were commanded to greet the saints with a holy kiss, Surely we should also kiss the images of those saints who are now in heaven. The second. So okay, uh, now uh, you, you continue on and and talk about, you know, obviously the iconoclastic controversy uh, in, in church history is is very important, and but most people in the West really struggle uh, to understand the centrality of icons. In Eastern Orthodoxy, um, what did what did you learn? Uh, we're sort of running out of time, but what did you learn in in 
digging into this stuff. Were, were you surprised at just how central iconography is to not just Orthodox practice, but Orthodox theology? Yeah, I mean, it's the very heart of the religion. I mean, they don't have the formal systematics that you have in the West. And, you know, one of the things people will sometimes criticize them in terms of throwing a few quotes at them from church fathers, but they have over 130 citations in John of Damascus, and they've got the Second Nicene Council saying that this is the historic faith of the church and anathema to anyone who says otherwise. And so a couple of proof texts really don't make much of an impact. What I did is I went back to the actual arguments that he made, the citations. There's only nine he makes before the Council of Nicaea, and six of them are demonstrable forgeries, even if one is uh, a misapplication goes completely contrary to what um, Clement said earlier in the same work. And the other two are ones for which we have no evidence prior to um, John of Damascus in the 8th century. So there's no evidence before Nicaea of any veneration of icons. And it just, you, but you start questioning the icon, you're dealing with the very heart of Eastern Orthodoxy. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I, I had noticed, and, and I don't know if you had seen it, but I had noticed last year a number of conversations that were taking place between younger Protestant apologists, Roman Catholics, and Eastern Orthodox on this very issue and on the ahistorical nature of the claims of Second Nicene Council, how dependent they were upon uh, forgeries, uh, stuff that, then again, uh, without, without the... Uh, pseudo-Isidorian decretals and the donation of Constantine, you wouldn't have the papacy. So there's a lot of um, uh, modern theology in these groups that that stands in midair. It has no foundation whatsoever uh, as far as uh, history is concerned. But you're dealing a lot with with forgeries and things like that. Um, and But still, uh, I visited a an Orthodox church in Kiev the last time I was, I was there and during a service and you've got to give them one thing. The music is amazing. (laughs) It truly, truly is. They, they build those churches to have just the most astonishing acoustics in the world. And uh, the, the, the music is amazing. And then what you're seeing though, as far as the experience is, this is the place of Energaia. This is the place where divine energy is available. And the icons are intimately connected with that as far as the, it becomes so central to the experience. We think about uh, the, you know, having a biblical text open to us, an application made to us. Uh, on Sunday, Jeff preached from Proverbs 11.1 1, and equal, equal measures, equal weights and made application all across life to, to where we need to, you know, he pointed out that in many of my debates with Muslims, I've, I've always said we need to have equal measures. We can't, we can't take one standard and apply it to the New Testament, a different standard and apply it um, to the Quran. Uh, all sorts of application of that, that's not the kind of thing you're getting in an Orthodox service at all. 
it's that is so from their perspective pedantic it's it's it you you've got mystery you've got the energies you've got a totally different context um that a lot of people just would struggle to even see what the connection to the between the two could possibly be um and the and the centrality of the icons for us is is just one of those things we just we have to push back on and go where did this start and when you dig into it 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 is not apostolic by any stretch of the imagination and to claim that it is is to fundamentally falsify any meaningful historical element to the claims of the orthodox church it's it's as bad as when roman catholic apologists say that all their dogmas are apostolic when they have identified when they've dogmatized for example the bodily assumption of mary which nobody in the first 500 years of the christian church uh there's any evidence whatsoever believed in so when you say we're we're giving you apostolic tradition and then you do that kind of stuff you're destroying your own foundation you're destroying your own credibility and you've put that in the movie so that makes you a bad mean scots person oh definitely what one of the things i think is important to understand james is that a lot of theological liberals within Protestantism are finding the East very attractive because they don't have to defend their liberalism against uh, the conservatives. They simply just, you know, dismiss us all as, right. you know, contrary to the ecumenical councils. It, it's become a smokescreen for a lot of guys. They start out liberal Southern Baptist, they go Episcopal, then they go Anglican, then they go Eastern Orthodox. This is this is where a lot of attacks, especially on the doctrines of grace. Thanks for anything up. I'm sorry. Did did you catch that? My phone started doing strange things. <laughs> yeah, go ahead and repeat it real quick. Anyway, a lot of the guys that are not all of them, of course, but Many of the guys. Can you hear me? It's it's it got you back. It's it's self muting. <laughs> Rich is I'll Rich is sitting there going, My hands are nowhere near the controls. I'm 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 doing nothing. <laughs> but you were saying that a lot of these guys that is the path they seem to take. Um a little bit, little bit of a step at a time until they they get to Eastern Orthodoxy or Roman Catholicism, one of the two. Um, but then you've and got I, you've got people who go between those two as well. So, yeah. um, but I, but I think I think that theological liberalism is going to be attacking us far more from that direction in the future, and far more challenges on the doctrines of grace because it's inherently anti-Calvinistic. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it, it, it definitely makes, makes it makes really good camouflage for anti-Calvinists. <laughs> so, are you saying that you're expecting Leighton Flowers to become Eastern Orthodox? Is that is that what you're actually predict- predicting? I'm not a prophet or the son of a prophet, but <laughs> his, his presentations of history are just about as accurate as theirs. <laughs> I, I mean, um... one of one of the. One of our videos, we document him saying that Calvin had his stepdaughter beheaded. Yes. And, and I actually 
um, got with a professor, University of Mississippi, who's been in the archives. He looked it up. No, she was, she and her lover, uh, it was for adultery. Both of them were whipped. He was exiled. She was a citizen. Three months later, she was readmitted to communion. But Leighton Flowers goes around portraying Calvin as, as having uh, executed her. But she was readmitted without her head. Because as long as Leighton <laughs> said it, <laughs> then that, that has to be the case. Just just relax, Leighton. Just relax. <laughs> well, I, I, I promise not to bring this up in our debate in Houston, okay? I promise not to do that. Um, now, if, if Jason shows up, he may bring it up during the Q&A. I don't know. I, I have no control over anything like that. But anyway. <laughs> All right. So uh, I'm looking at the uh, uh, thing here. We're up to, uh, this says 15,000 views. Um, I'm hoping we drove a few of those uh, to you, and I'm hoping this program will will bring more, especially because there just isn't that much out there. Um, my my question, I guess, my closing question would be: so, if people watch this and they want more information about, for example, the early councils and stuff, are you going to? Send them. What, what are you gonna? What are you gonna direct them to? You're gonna direct them to Schaff? Uh, what? What? You know, because you obviously used some 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 pretty in depth resources here. Schaff is a great resource for the councils. In terms of some of the stuff on asceticism, there was a 19th century work called Vigilantius and His Times, which uh, I forget who who wrote it. It's it's on archive.org. Um, there are a lot of different resources. The, 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 the evidence is out there, and I'm happy to point people towards it if they want to do more work on it. Um, you know, we've tried to maintain the, the standard. No one has anything to fear from the truth but liars. Uh, I don't have the time to engage all the critics out there, but nobody yeah. needs to be afraid of the church fathers. Church fathers weren't perfect. Nope. But they definitely, they definitely weren't Roman Catholics or Eastern Orthodox. They were what they were. And trying to make them fit into our modern categories is something I've been uh, warning about for a long, long time. Well, thank you for all the time that you put into uh, creating The Failure of Eastern Orthodoxy. It's on YouTube. Have you posted it anywhere else? No, that's it so far. Uh, if oh. there's other places I should post it, let me know. Yeah, well, yeah, your... Odyssey, Rumble, there's a bunch of places you could throw it out there. And uh, in fact, you know, we this is on Twitter. So, uh, oh, oh, X, sorry, whatever you're supposed to call it now. Um, but yeah, there's lots of places. I think I think uh, people need to need to see it and uh, utilize it. We got to get those numbers up. And uh, so once again, thank you very, very much for putting all that time into it and uh, for joining us on the program today. Thank you for all your kindnesses for nearly 25 years. <laughs> indeed, indeed. And we'll we'll get back up there again. You just haven't you just haven't contacted me with who you want Jeff and I to take on next. So uh, we'll 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 see what you come up with uh, for that one. Uh, uh, it's been. Try to get some involved. I'm sorry. We'll try to get some antifreeze involved. <laughs> well, I drank the antifreeze you gave me, so I I could trust you. Uh, so. <laughs> Anyways, thank you, Jason. I appreciate it. God bless. Thank you, brother. All right. God bless. Bye-bye.
All right. So, uh, again, the failure of Eastern Orthodoxy, Ancient Paths TV on YouTube. Uh, highly recommend uh, that you take the time to uh, watch that, sit down, take notes. Uh, we have all sorts of people always asking about resources on Eastern Orthodoxy. That's definitely going to be a go-to uh, in the future there. So I said we have two um, We have two guests on the program today. That was Jason Wallace, Christ uh, Presbyterian Church in Magna, Utah. Magna is over on the sort of uh, western side, northwestern part of the Salt Lake Valley. Um where they're all having lots of earthquakes just a few years ago, actually. Uh, but um, now we we go way, way, way far away, uh, all the way to Frankfurt, Germany. Ah, and notice I can see I can see Brother Tobias now, uh, even though he seems to be frozen. Um, is he is he actually there? Can he can you hear me, uh, Tobias? I can hear you. Can you hear me? I can, but I don't see any movement in the video. Oh, okay. Is that it? It looks like, I mean, you look incredibly stern in German right now. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> I uh, always do. <laughs> <laughs> which you really can't do much about. Um, but it, it seems very dark because I guess it's about eleven forty-one p.m. Your time there. Yes, exactly. Okay. All right. You know, but, I, actually, I, I've just fallen asleep, so that's why I'm not moving. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so it it really does seem like we have a still frame coming from you, Rich. Do you have any idea what Rich goes? He, he Rich doesn't know uh, what you've got going on there, but uh, I mean that'll work. But <laughs> it, it, it's not a bad shot. Once you see it, you'll go. Okay. <laughs> It's, I, mean, uh, I can try to reconnect. Rich, Rich says it's very Spurgeon esque, um, so I, I guess that's a <laughs> I guess that's a good thing. Um, I don't know. You might try turning your camera yeah. on and off or something. Uh, I don't want to completely lose you because the the dialogue and and discussion is more important, I guess, certainly than the video. I mean, people would much rather look at you than me. Uh, you're a young man, and I'm I'm an old. Scotsman, um, but um, Rich, uh, what do you what do you what do you got there? So Tobias, if you could just maybe turn, I'll turn your video off here, and if you could just turn it back on, let's see what happens. This is what happens when you're dealing with stuff all the way across the world in uh, this in this instance, Frankfurt, Germany. What's that? Now we've have we lost connection. Well, let's hope that uh, Tobias can jump back into the uh, into the Zoom Zoom link, uh, and I will give a little bit more of an introduction while hopefully that's being worked on on the other side of things. Uh, you've heard me make reference to uh, Pastor Tobias Riemenschneider uh, from Frankfurt. If you remember, we talked about the Frankfurt Declaration a number of months ago. And Tobias was one of the primary uh, authors and individuals who brought that uh, about. Um, I have been teaching church history for the church there in Frankfurt for hmm, around three years now, I would say. And uh, we're we're just getting into the 
post-Nicene Orthodoxy John Chrysostom area. Uh, gives you an idea of how slowly we have been uh, we have been moving uh, as far as that is concerned. Uh, but um, up and up through 2019, uh, I got to visit uh, the church there. It started off with Pastor Peter Schilt. Um, I was I heard something there. Uh, we've got yes, audio, I'm, but no I'm video. On. I'm, I'm using my mobile phone now. Oh no! Oh no! Okay, well. There you go. So I, Jason was only audio, and I guess we're just going to be stuck with me. Too bad we didn't keep a screenshot of that because it, it looked really cool. Uh, that was that was that was a cool screenshot. Oh well, I was just telling how I got connected up there. I was stranded between flights in uh, Frankfurt, and I tweeted it out, and Peter saw it and said, "Hey, I'm not far from the airport. Would you like to have lunch?" <laughs> and uh, came over, and we had uh, we had lunch uh, at the airport, and that led to the next time I was flying through, uh, stopping there at uh, at the church, and that wasn't the time that we had that really interesting fellow show up. I think that was the second time, wasn't it? You remember, you remember who I'm talking yes, about? Yes, yes, yeah, it, it was the second time. Yes. Yeah, it was the second time because we were in a different. We were in a different location uh, yeah. the, the second time. Uh, we had a fellow, man, he drove from another country, didn't he? Yeah, he came from the Netherlands. Yes, yes. Just simply to try to straighten us out. It was so kind of him. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And, and I had to, to gently take him outside um, because he wouldn't leave. Yes, <laughs> so, yes. Um, yeah, yes. I made him leave. <laughs> yes, you, you did. Um, Give him the left boot of fellowship. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> how, how we would put it. Yeah, it was uh, that was an interesting experience. But anyway, yes. uh, we've got you back. And I have to apologize immediately. Rich heard me going, oh, I can't believe I did that. I left your book sitting on my kitchen counter when I left today. And I feel very badly about that because I was going to show it up. I was yeah. going to hold it up and do all this neat, fun stuff. Um, yeah, no, no, no problem. I I brought it. Uh. <laughs> well, you've got it, but we don't have a camera for you, so I know. I know it's so. it's a bit of a bummer. Um, but yes. now, people who hear you uh, speaking mm-hmm. are probably like, um, "Wait a minute, is this guy from America and he moved to Germany?" Um, you're <laughs> you're you're native born, right? No, no, most people tell me they like my German dialect, my German accent. So I'm not sure. Uh, no, I'm 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 a native German and uh, only learned uh, English in, uh, in school, and that didn't, you know, that that didn't help me too much. You don't you don't learn too much at school. So um, basically, I, I really began really learning English. Um, basically through YouTube when I was beginning to, to watch sermons and of course the dividing line. So I'm most of my listening to, to sermons and, and Christian podcasts and so on. I, I, I listen to to American um, stuff. So um, right. there's not much available in German. So that's, uh, I think that my, my English improved a lot uh, well, doing that. I've always uh, just been incredibly impressed with your ability in, in speaking English you, of course, were my translator. Um, mm-hmm. I think I'm pretty certain I tr- I tra- played the same trick on you 
um, that I always do when I'm in Germany. Um, and I've told I've told you the story. I was when I was uh, preaching at the church in Berlin, um, and it was a German Russian church. So they had a service in Russian, and then they had a service in German, and. I've mentioned before, Russian just goes in one ear and out the other. I, I, all the Slavic languages for me, the, it, nothing sticks. I know Bolga means God. That's about it. That, that, uh, that's, that's all I have, I have left. But you and Peter and my friends in, in Berlin have always been so patient with me slaughtering your native language. Um, <laughs> and, and in fact, most Germans seemingly... Are are actually pleased when an American at least tries um, yes. to to speak German, and yes. you yes. you all you've all been kind to say that when I actually speak it, I've got a fairly decent accent. It's not as bad as most Americans, um, as far as that's, <laughs> that's true. Um, yes, but I understand it when I hear somebody else speaking it, as long as they're not speaking overly rapidly, and so. It's really hard for me to preach in English and have it translate into German because mm. I understand what's being said by the translator. And so when there's a little bit of a um, interpretation, shall we say, I hear it and it makes it really hard for me to um, concentrate on the next phrase or next sentence or whatever else it might it, it might be. And so when I was in Berlin... I made a reference to my bow tie. And when he translated it, he said, Kravat. Mm. And I stopped and I said, Ich habe nicht gesagt Kravat. Ich habe gesagt Fliegel. <laughs> and he... Fliegel. Yeah. He, he, and he immediately, without even thinking about it, translated the German into English. Yes, yes. <laughs> it, it's just how the brain works. Uh, or yeah. if I if I'll quote John one one im Anfang war das Wort und das Wort war bei Gott und Gott war das Wort, they'll just automatically without even thinking about it, just do the English, even though you didn't yes. need to because that was the whole whole reason I did the German. Um, so mm -hmm. it's really fascinating <laughs> how it works. And when I've preached there, you've been my my translator, and uh, uh, so I've just always been very very impressed with your uh, with your English uh, translation. And I should tell everybody. Uh, that before I had the opportunity in 2017 to preach in the pulpit uh, in in the Castle Church in Wittenberg, uh, mm -hmm. I wrote to you and Peter, and I said, these are the sections from Luther that I want to quote. Would you please help me and make sure that I've got the appropriate pronunciations of some of these words and stuff like that? And I think, yes. I forget who it was, whether it was, I think it was Peter. I don't remember who it was. Yes, it was, it was oh, Peter. It was Peter. Yes. Uh, Peter read them out for me. And so, uh, you know, I had them in the German, but I had had the opportunity of hearing a native speaker. Because um, there were, there are just some, there are some terms. You all just take a bunch of words and cram them all into one big long line and call it a new word. <laughs> <Yes>. And um, <laughs> that can pronounce, that can produce some pronunciation challenges uh, along, along the way. Um, yeah, right. But anyway, so before, COVID, uh, I was visiting fairly regularly 
In fact, there's a video out there of me preaching in one of my Kujis with you translating uh, uh, for me. Mm-hmm. And so I, I want to apologize if you've, you've received any nasty comments <laughs> for, for my having put no, you through no. that. No, we thought, well, maybe that's how they dress in America. So. <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's how they dress in Australia, but actually they don't do it either. Nobody dresses that way. Yes. It's, it's Rich is yeah, sitting there that, going, that's, that's yeah, true, yeah, probably. that's there, there. That's, he, just said, he just spoke the truth and didn't even want to. Um, yes. Anyway, <laughs> so, so uh, uh, now, obviously, starting with 2020, um, I was, we started doing the church history around that same time, as I recall, um, yeah. teaching the church history class. And that meant that we had a fair amount of uh, communication communication going back and forth and you all faced a very different context than most Americans did. There were some places in the United States that had very severe lockdowns and, and governmental um, interference and stuff like that here in Arizona. At that time we had a, a Republican governor and we were in a different situation and, and, but you all were facing significantly stronger restrictions and challenges than than we did, and I, and I, I yes. know for me, that was um, uh, a real challenge to be thinking about what others were facing uh, there in uh, in Germany. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, and you, you, you guys had to make a decision. There aren't. Uh, it's not like here in the United States where you've got Reformed Baptist churches, you know, uh, around around the block. Um, you all are in a small minority in in Germany. Yes. Uh, help our our audience understand a little bit how small is the evangelical, committed, Bible believing community uh, in yes. in Greater Germany. Yeah, it's it's of course difficult to 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 say uh, very precisely, but um, you know the. the Many, many are still part of, of one of the two state churches, the Roman Catholic Church or the Evangelical Church. That's how it, what it's called here. It's basically the Lutheran Church, state church, yeah, the, the, the church that Luther founded. Um, and even that number has gone down significantly over the years. Um, a few years ago, it dropped below 50%. So officially, we are not, yeah, less than 50% are Christians anymore, even nominal Christians. Right. And... Um, and real evangelical churches, like, like in America, you know, real evangelical churches, um, it's uh, 0.2%. And those uh, include some which are also very doubtful. So if you narrow it down to really Bible-believing Christians, I doubt it will be more than 0.1%, probably a lot less. Right, right. So it's really only a very, very small percentage. And the the state Lutheran Church, uh, these these churches um, uh, are actually really, as far as I can, when I've traveled in Europe, the state churches are always a hindrance to gospel proclamation. Yes, um, yes, they are. They, they not only oppose uh, sound theology and especially any type of application to the gospel to the society as a whole. But likewise, the people who are members of those churches think, hey, you know, I've got my baptism, I've got my church certificate, I'm, I'm yes. right with God. 
and exactly, so, exactly, all's well. Yeah, if if you want to reach them with the gospel, maybe on the streets of of of, uh, of Frankfurt, um, they will always tell you, "Well, I I'm I don't need to hear about that. I'm a Christian." Um, they, they only have been baptized, so they are officially uh, part of a uh, member of one of the state churches. Um, they only go uh, to a church service maybe once a year on Christmas or so, and that's it. So uh, they are ob- they're obviously not really, really Christians, but they believe they are. They believe they're on their way to heaven, and um, it's very difficult to reach them at all. And um, and on the other hand... Um, and what, as you also mentioned, uh, the, the the Lutheran state church, it's not about the gospel or the word of God. They got com- they, they went completely, well, first they saw themselves as some, I don't know, some social warriors, I guess. And now they've they gone completely woke. Um, there was just a, a big, uh, they, they call it a church day. So a church meeting uh, of all of the, the, uh, the Lutheran churches in Germany. They had a, a black woman pastor or so um, talking there, saying that God is queer. I and, saw that. Um, yeah, I, I guess. You, yeah, I, I think that even made yeah made it to, to Twitter and so on. And just just two or three days ago, there was a in in a in a beautiful old Lutheran church, uh, a, a gigantic uh, rainbow flag uh, was was in in the entire church, and they exhibited paintings of. Um, well, I can't. I can't really explain what it was. It was. It was men having intercourse with which is which each other. It was. It was just gay pornography. Right. And that's what they exhibited in in a church. Mm. So, uh, thanks be to God, there was such a big backlash that they had to to uh, to close that. Um, yeah, but that's what the Lutheran Church is in Germany. Yeah. 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 So it's not like you guys have a whole lot of support around you. Um, no, <laughs> and um, I know in whatever small ways I can, I've certainly tried to be of all the support that I I can uh, for a yes. small ministry here in the United States, and and you know how much I love you guys, and and sort of feel like a part of the yeah. of the of the congregation there. But you guys, it's yeah. hard for Americans. Well, it's it, it's becoming less hard for Americans um, as we, for example. Uh, saw the arrest of some young men who were preaching the gospel outside a drag queen thing in Wisconsin uh, that just took place. Um, you know, I saw the picture of Peter um, with the with the German cops around him, uh, yeah. and that was during a gay pride thing there in Frankfurt just last month, exactly. right? Yes. Yeah, right. Uh, just a few weeks ago, um, he was preaching on the streets of Frankfurt during the gay pride parade, and um, and, and you know you got all the hatred from the from the people, of course. But then the police came and took him away. I think four or five policemen, and well, they they know that they are not allowed to stop him because we, we still have something like free speech. Yeah, but still they will tell you, okay, we are not allowed to to, to stop you by law, but. It would be really good you would go away now and then wouldn't return. <laughs> so they're, they're actually telling you you have to go now. Um, so yeah, you, you will be silenced. Um, yeah. And you know, I, I did the same thing the year before. I also preached at the gay pride parade, and and I had several brothers standing around me to protect me from the people who wanted to to attack me. So um, yeah, it's um, it's it's difficult. Yeah, yeah, and. 
you know, we're, we're experiencing the same thing here in the United States, but there's still, you know, there's, there's a, there's a backlash taking place because of what just happened. And because there's still more cultural, um, leftovers of Christianity in the United States than there are. Yes. Now refresh my memory. I should know this. I think I know this, but Frankfurt was on which side of the, of the wall? It was West Germany. Okay. It was West Germany. Okay. Because when I went to, uh, it's just such a stark difference. Uh, When I would teach in Berlin, they were in the former East Berlin. And Mm -hmm. it was just a, one of the things they said was especially across that line, there was just secularism had been enforced for so long that it's still, after all these years, is still very much a part of one of the things that you're dealing with within you've not only got Germany, but you've got the EU as well. You've got two levels yeah. of of suppression uh, going on there that, that uh, we don't yet have to deal with, but give give the folks time. They're yeah. working on it. So yes, yes. You, you had to start thinking, you and, and the whole congregation there had to really start thinking about, uh, as, as all churches did, but you more so, how to respond to government lockdown orders, you're not supposed to meet, you're not supposed to worship, you're not supposed to sing, all this kind of stuff. And these were things that when I was last there in 2019, we weren't thinking about that, that this was not, this was, this was, has not been forced upon us. And now all Mm -hmm. of a sudden it has, and it's been a journey for you. Um, it's been a challenge for you. Um, it seems that some of the things that have taken place over here um, have been of some assistance or guidance or help, encouragement. Um, I think the uh, the stuff that I wrote for the Navy SEALs, uh, the stuff that I wrote for, for Apologia Church, I, I think you've said yes. that you, you had access to that that stuff that, yes. I, that I put together there. And so um, a while back, uh, you and some others started working on what's called the Frankfurt Declaration. So mm-hmm. what was what was the origin of that, and, and what's the status of that uh, today? Uh, you've said that you've been surprised at, at the positive um, results of it. So give us a little bit of background on that, and then we'll talk about your book. Yes, sure. So um, maybe starting at the beginning, you know, we, we, we knew from the beginning that we had to resist um, the, this, this, well, this COVID regime when they told us, you know, just two days uh, before the, the first lockdown, they told us, oh, no, there will never be a lockdown. And the next day they tell you, OK, lockdown effective in, in two days or so. So we knew right from the beginning something is, is, is wrong. They are, they, they are lying to us and such things didn't really, didn't really add up. Uh, we, we had two, uh, one, one doctor, one professor um, who were experts in, in this field of virology and epidemiology and so on. And they, they published uh, videos on YouTube explaining things. They, they were, of course, banned and silenced later on. But so we had access to some good um, information and we know, okay, we don't really buy this narrative. And even if, if we did, um, we knew that we cannot just stop worshiping God. So we, we began to resist immediately. We, we met, we were not able to meet at, at, an, at the whole church because we don't have an own church building. Yeah. So we had only rented buildings. Those were shut down. We couldn't enter them. 
So we met in in smaller groups in in the houses houses of of uh, brothers and sisters. Um, but then and then you know so I, I basically knew from from the beginning it it would be wrong to just obey the state. We have to resist, but. Um, I couldn't really explain that theologically. So Romans 13 was throwing round, thrown round a lot, and so, and and that that was where where um, things you know brothers said in in Canada and America, especially also when you talked about Romans 13, that was extremely helpful in in also forming my theology on really state church relationships and when to resist and, and when to submit and so on. Um, and then I was approached by a brother from from London, and he had reached out to um, several pastors from basically all over the world, uh, the Americas and uh, Africa, Europe, and he wanted us to um, well to, to to put together a declaration, basically a global declaration regarding COVID, what was happening there, and so we started meeting uh, over Zoom. And um, it became apparent very quickly that we were moving in different directions. So, so three of us split up and, and uh, formed a new group. And we continued the work on the declaration in, in the form we wanted it to be, we imagined it to be. And um, so and when finally this, this work was um, completed, um, you know, we send it to you and to some other brothers and ask for your, for your thoughts and your input. And... Um, yeah, and, and then, you know, to be honest, I thought, well, maybe 100 people may, maybe will sign it. Um, and and who, are, who of the big guys should sign it? Because no one knows me. No one knows actually also the other two guys who work with me on this. Um, Stephen Lloyd from, from France and Paul Hartwig from South Africa. So we are not famous people. So why should anyone give, give anything? Uh, you know, who cares about what we write? Um, and then something amazing happened. Uh, we started sending this declaration to some people, and you also helped in that, right? Uh, spreading it, uh, sending it to others. And almost everyone, with only very few exceptions, uh, came back very positive and said, well, I want to sign this. And uh, so um, I think you were the first of the big names yeah, who said, I will sign it. And then there was Vody Borkham and Joe Boot and Doug Wilson and, and James Coates. And uh, finally, even John MacArthur, which uh, which seemed to be very unlikely uh, that he would also join this declaration, but he did. So um, it was obvious that God was was doing something here, um, and we would have never thought that uh, this declaration would get so much positive, uh, yeah, attention. Yeah, that's really exciting, and people can still uh, uh, go online and yeah. and read it and sign it and stuff like that. Uh, what's what's the what's the website? Yes, frankfurtdeclaration.com. Okay. Frankfurtdeclaration.com. Frankfurtdeclaration.com. People want to go see that. I just looked up yeah. on uh, on Amazon. Uh, Ezra Press is the publisher of your new book. Came out uh, May 15th, mm-hmm. according to this, anyways. Uh, Resisting mm-hmm. Tyranny, a Christian Response to Government uh, Overreach. Now, now the funny thing is, um, was it actually uh, published in German first or English first? Yes. It was published in, in German first, okay, and then uh, Joe Boot uh, and, and Ezra Press uh, were were so so kind to um, to also uh, publish it in English. Okay, um, did you do the translation? I did. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's a lot of work. That's a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> True. Uh, there's, there's no two ways about it. Um, 
Yeah. So it's available in at least two languages. <laughs> uh, resisting yeah. tyranny. Uh, give folks a, an idea of of what they'd be looking at if they uh, took yeah. the time to 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 read through it. Yeah, sure. So um, the book is basically a compilation of uh, things I wrote during COVID. Um, it also includes the Frankfurt Declaration, but this was not the only, uh, not even the first uh, declaration I, I draw up. So I, I first um, published published a, dec- a declaration in German uh, for the German, well, for the German context, but actually it's um, it's not limited to Germany because we all had the same issues basically globally. Um, there is a there is my sermon on Romans thirteen. There is a letter I wrote to um, the chancellor, the German chancellor, and the German president, and all of the members of parliament uh, when they wanted to enforce vaccination, when they wanted to pass a law that would have made the vaccine mandatory for everyone. Um, I wrote a letter which was signed by I'm not sure I, I guess around 130 pastors in Germany. Um, and, and other things are, are, are in there as well. Also, an, an article by John MacArthur, why I signed the Frankfurt Declaration. Another article by Jacob Riome. The foreword, actually, uh, was written by uh, Dr. James White. That's a very good foreword. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it's a compilation of, of the, the, the th- things I, I, I did during COVID. And um, I hope that basically that this book will accomplish three things. Um, I hope it will be a, a, a witness to what happened during COVID, mm-hmm. because I realized very quickly that people were were beginning to forget oh, yeah? what had happened. It's amazing. Uh, it was, yeah, it was amazing. Exactly. Um, and even you know, I, I asked my, um, my 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 brother-in-law. He's from England to also check the translation, uh, and he came back to me and telling me, "Wow, that was really." That was really something during COVID. It was really, really evil. I had almost already forgotten everything. So um, I hope it is a, a witness to all the injustice that happened uh, during that time, also to all the, uh, uh, all the anxiety and fear we had. Um, and and then I hope it um, it really provides um, some good theology regarding state church relationships, regarding the question when to submit, when to resist. Um, and um, and 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 this will hopefully be be of 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 use for um, not not just for for us uh, that lived through COVID, but hopefully also for 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 the years to come. And um, yeah, and the third thing is exactly that. I want uh, I, I would hope that this book would encourage people, uh, to encourage brothers and sisters to be courageous and faithful when the next big thing happens. And uh, well, the next I, I think the next big thing is. That. The next big thing's already happening, um, yeah. uh, and you all are suffering from it more than we are here yes. so far in the United yes. States. It's the it's the climate scam. Uh, exactly. That's, that's that's the next. And 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 it, the amazing thing is, everyone knew this. I mean, uh, Michael Fallon was telling me at the beginning of COVID. He said, "Yeah, once this is over, the next thing's back to climate." <laughs> it's like, yeah. wait a minute, we're right. still in the middle of this. But he was right uh, that you know that. That, that's 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 where they're going and 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 you guys are yes. paying absolutely through the nose for uh yeah. for energy now in in germany it's astonishing it, it, exactly and you know ju- just today i read that that the german weather agency they they said uh that this was the the hottest july in a hundred years and everyone is just going huh that this july it was really cold and rainy for at least three weeks now. So yeah. I, I don't know what's going on, but everyone should be able to tell that that's hardly the case. Yeah, well, no. I don't know what's going on there, but it's all very, 
you can't. Unfortunately, we you you can't if if it's if a leftist media person if their lips are moving, they're lying. That's just, <laughs> yeah. just that's just all there is. Probably yeah. that's all there is to yes. it. There's uh, just how you have to go there. So resisting tyranny right. is available. A Christian response to government uh, overreach. Uh, Tobias mm-hmm. Liebenschneider. Um, wow, they, uh, Amazon has it listed by Tobias Riemenschneider, author, John MacArthur, author, James White, forward. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, how, there okay, you go. Is that how they listed? <laughs> you're, you're now, you're now co-author with John MacArthur. There you go. Yeah, that's, I, I, yeah that, that's not entirely accurate, I would say. But <laughs> <laughs> I take it. Yeah, so that's available on uh, on Amazon. Uh, of course, no one can spell, in the United States, no one can spell Riemenschneider. No, it's a very um, difficult name. It, it's just not. It's not possible. Yeah. But put something in there and and let Amazon figure it out from there. They'll they'll come they'll come <laughs> around to it eventually. So, well, congratulations right. on putting the book out. Um, Thank we you were, so much. I would have had you on while I was traveling, but Rich says it's actually easy to do, but I haven't done it yet. And but you know yeah. you know what would have happened if we had tried? We at least would have been able to see you. <laughs> So. Exactly. So, so we have to repeat that so we can see uh, see me at least. So. Yes. Yes. Next time we'll have to make sure that the camera is actually going to be going to yeah. be functioning, yeah. and you're not keeping your family up uh, till all hours because it's after midnight there now. Um, yep. But like I right, said, that's right. I I've gotten texts from you when I I did the time, <laughs> and I'm like, what are you doing up at this time of night? This is this. D- this d- is don't not... t- don't tell anyone. It's... <laughs> Well, what yeah, I'll get I'm, I'm working is, late, you know. Yeah. What I'll get is I'll get these these signal messages and I can always tell when everybody else in the house is asleep because I have <laughs> to put it up to my ear and it's it's Tobias <laughs> whispering, "Hello, brother. I just wanted to say." <laughs> <laughs> yes, that, that's right. Yeah, you know, I, I I think sleep is overrated, so I, I just don't do it. <laughs> well, I tell people vacations and stuff like that are overrated. We're gonna have all of eternity to rest. I get that, but sleep. <laughs> I'm sorry, sleep is God designed that because uh, you you don't do I, that, I and eventually the body just completely falls apart. So, uh, anyways, yes, yes, but, you're uh, right. You're right. Anyhow, and, well, and you know, my... you, you are older than I, I, I about twenty years. And you're much fitter than, than I. So. Oh, I don't know about that. Well, I, I don't do. know about that. I, I mean, I might be able to outride you on a bike, but uh, that's just muscle memory. I, I don't know about all the rest of it anymore. I'm definitely getting up there. But, but uh, anyways, I I um, I'm really hoping uh, that someday you will get the opportunity of coming here to the United States and visiting I with hope so. us. Um, yes. and, uh, that way we'll get to see each other again because, uh, I really enjoyed our times there. I'm thinking about, yeah. I think the last place you all put me up at had this, uh, really neat path that I could run around. Um, do you remember mm-hmm. where that place was? Yes, I do. It was a very nice hotel, right? And uh, yeah, yeah, it was, it was a really nice, uh, uh, spot and it was very, and, and I remember sending you a picture. I think I sent it to my family too. I was waiting to get picked up and there was a sign out in the in the parking lot and again it was the it was the German penchant for taking numerous words and just cramming them <laughs> into one big long I mean I don't know how many letters <laughs> there were but I think it just simply meant 
parking lot. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> but it was. It was. We like you know, to we like to make things complicated. Uh, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. There is there is that element of it. But uh, we've had yes, some great yes. times, some great uh, lunches yeah. and dinners, and uh, and um, I've gotten to uh, uh, actually tell you about German history, <laughs> about some some true. aspects of German That's history <laughs> that they don't talk about in Germany anymore, which is really really scary and strange, yeah. but. But uh, anyways, yeah. um, always love my time there, and I hope hope you get a chance to visit here in the U.S. Uh, yes. at some point because so. yeah. they're not going to be building a bridge uh, across uh, to to Europe anytime soon <laughs> for, for I, your RV <laughs> for my RV. Yeah, that uh, that really wouldn't wouldn't work out too well. And I'm not rowing. Rich yes, is in the other true. room going like this. I'm like, no, I'm not going to row across uh, the pond, as they say. <laughs> so, so resisting tyranny. Uh, Tobias Riemann Schneider, pick it up at uh, at Amazon and uh, make it a part of your church library. Do stuff like that. Uh, Tobias, thank you very much for staying up late and uh, now now yes. get get sleep. You, you say it's overrated, but I think it's very very important. Uh, so uh, go go get some. I will, I will, and thank you so much uh, for having me on, brother. <laughs> well, we love you, brother, and we'll be praying for you all and your work there uh, in uh, in thank Frankfurt. You so much. God bless. Love you. God bless. Thank you. Bye bye. I should have said. Um, I love seeing on Facebook. I follow the the church there in Frankfurt on Facebook, and uh, I, I love seeing the pictures of their guys out in the streets of Frankfurt evangelizing. As weird as that is in the United States now, it's a whole lot weirder in Europe. Uh, it really, really is. I mean, yeah, there's still faithful folks there, but um, yeah, so... Uh, Pray for the folks there in Frankfurt and all the faithful folks. Okay, uh, we've gone way over time, but I just felt it was necessary um, to, to talk about this real quick. And Rich keeps saying we've we've got two hours on Twitter, and so we have to use it, all the rest of that kind of stuff. Um, looking at the story that broke today about Watertown, Wisconsin, you have a uh, drag... Queen uh, performance going on in a public park. The public has been invited to this. Um, these are sexual perverts sexualizing children. It's against the law. Uh, a number of people have pointed out. They've pointed. They've pointed to the direct law in Watertown that this is illegal. But as we all know, uh, what the law says and what the regime will do are two different things. Um, the left will do whatever the left wants to do. And what is uh, uh, amazing to me was watching the arrest of a young man. I saw a video when he was 19, so he's probably maybe 20 now. He's not a big guy. Sorry, he might be 120 pounds sopping wet. Um, They had been told to get off to get on the sidewalk, to get out of the park. That was probably illegal in of itself. Um, and so he's preaching. And you can go and watch. Uh, some cops tried to shut Jeff down outside an abortion clinic about four or five years ago. And Jeff shut them down because he had the law right there. And he said, here, if you're going to say we can't use amplification 
then you need to have this sound device that's in the law right here. Uh, so in other words, they have to have a sound meter to be able to, to say that's over the, the decibel limit that you're supposed to have. Um, there were no sound meters. These cops, the thing that really, 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 really bothers me here is that I'm from a generation where cops had consciences. They made an oath. Um, and there was morality and ethics involved in what they were supposed to be doing and how they enforced the law. And so when 2020 hit, I'm, I was still naive enough to believe that, you know, this can't happen here in the United States, that the, the cops are just not, are not, are not going to do this. I was wrong. The cops will do whatever they're told as long as it pays their mortgage. Now, I realize there have already been some who've left who said, I can't do this. I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to do this. More power to you. But the ones that are left, and of course, they've been, this is part of the, they, they want to have the people that will do just whatever they're told. And if that means turning on... So here you have a situation where you have the law being broken. You have sexual perverts. Every person who's made in the image of God. These cops know that what's going on up there is absolutely pure evil. They know it. But there are dozens of them, and they're not going after criminals. They're not going after the... You know, there were 47 people shot in Chicago over the weekend. Five of them died. They're not worried about that. They're worried about protecting the sexual perverts that are breaking the law publicly. And they will arrest the Christians who are trying to warn these people about what's going to happen to them. And I was stupid enough, naive enough, to think this... this this wouldn't happen here. Well, it it will. And it is. And it's happening right now. There's a lot of videos. Ben Zeisloft has already... In fact, uh, I retweeted Ben's tweet. Um, it's at Ben Zeisloft. Z-E-I-S-L-O-F-T. That's definitely German. Uh, Zeisloft. Uh, Ben's a young guy. But he's uh, he's he's one of the few journalists left out there. So he's an endangered species. And he got... um, He used to be with another media outlet, shall we say. And found out that while they may be conservative, they don't necessarily have consistent values. I'm not going... He he didn't say anything to this. I'm just observing this from outside. So he is now with... uh, Repub sent at Repub Sentinel. So you can click on that. It's called the Sentinel um, at Repub Sentinel on um, on Twitter, X, whatever you call. It. I'm still calling Twitter. I don't care. Uh, it's called Twitter. And uh, he has interviewed the young men that were uh, arrested. There's a whole story available uh, there. Uh, in fact, uh, let me look here. Yeah, uh, the Sentinel today, it was worth it. Young Street Preacher arrested at Wisconsin drag event. And there's some pictures and stuff there. Um, so, yeah, August 1st at 12.05. So, yeah, this is this is pretty recent stuff. Um, but I'm 
I'm not sure here. Let me see if um, if this says, because uh, this is on Realm. Okay, it is. Uh, that's who I thought. Pastor Matt Trujillo. Matt Trujillo has written a, a lot of stuff on the lesser magistrates and material like that. And so there is a video I want to play for you, uh, if I can drag it over here, of Matt Trujillo speaking to the cops after they have arrested these young men. And this is what it means. Um, And by the way, there's another video. I just see it right here now on, on TikTok, actually. And I don't have a TikTok account and I never will. But it's just so clear the utter misbehavior of the police. Just lawlessness. Absolute they disrespect for citizens, law, their oath, their office, everything. Every single one of them should be fired. Not every single one of them that was there should be fired. No question about it. But this guy especially. Um, oh, sure, you can you can video. You just have to stay back here. Blah, 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 blah. And then all of a sudden, bum rushed out. Because you know what happened. The sexual perverts started complaining to the cops that, they were, that, that there was anybody there recording this. Because they know what they're going to be doing. And so what did the cops do? They just, yes, sir, sexual pervert. I'll do whatever you tell me to do, sir. It is so, oh, degrading for these men. Men and women. There are women cops there, too. So in this video, Matt Trujillo tells these cops, um, this is what's coming. This is, you, you need to, he said to them what I would say to them. So this is uh, two and a half minutes. Let's listen to Matt Trujillo as he, as the cops pretend to ignore him, but they're not ignoring him. Uh, here, here, here it is. So this is nothing new. When you look down through history, you'll notice that from time to time, men make evil through law. And that's what's happened here. Your mayor, the civil authorities here are joining with evil. And those of you who are lesser magistrates, you carry the guns. You're not just mere robots for the state. You have to answer to God also for what you do. So when they do something contrary to his law and word, your duty is not to obey them, but to tell them no. It's called the interposition of the lesser magistrate. Extremely important to understand it. Romans 13, again, for those of you officers who just arrived, makes it clear that your duty is to punish the evildoers. That would be the people over there that are sexualizing children. And your duty is to reward those who do good. That would be the people you've arrested. So you've totally perverted your God-given function and role, turned it on its head. And we wonder, how did evil get a foothold in Germany, in the Soviet Union, It was because of the blithe compliance of all the authorities that one after another down the food chain said, yeah, I'm going to look out for myself rather than do what's right and say, no, this is wrong. And this is wrong. What they're doing here is evil. This would, are you kidding me? Do you see what's going on up in that stage? Do you see they're normalizing this to the minds of the children? When you're older, these are the kids. They'll be the people who decide whether you live or die when you're elderly. This is what they're training them in. So you have to make a decision to either go along, to get along, 
or to some point make a stand. Like, at the very least, you shouldn't be arresting the good guys and letting the bad guys have free reign. Your duty is to arrest the bad guys. There is an ordinance right here in town regarding instructing children in sexual matters. What do you think that's all about? They're instructing children in sexual matters. You could arrest them, but you chose not to. You chose to arrest the Christians who are simply out here praying and offering literature to people. So this is not. So there you go. Um, I'm very thankful that Matt Trujillo uh, bore testimony uh, to those um, those officers. Um, why why are you cops? Why are you cops? Why are you police officers? There is not a single signer of the Declaration of Independence that could watch what's going on in that park and watch what happened that would not cry in shame at the degradation of the nation they founded. Not a single one. Not a single one. The revolution has taken place. And there are the revolutionaries. And they will be judged. Judgment will be strict in accordance with God's righteousness. Yes, sir. I am convinced that the officer that was in the middle and the female blonde officer, they were exhibiting signs of shame. He, he was shaming them, and they were responding. The first guy on the left, he didn't care. Totally unfazed. But those two, very uncomfortable people. Very uncomfortable. Well, there were others, because when it would swing around, you would, there was actually a fair number of, of police officers there. And so that was very wise on his part. All we can do is pray uh, that some of those officers will seek them out and get further counsel. Um, I'm sure that Matt and his crew would be more than happy to uh, work with them as to how they can be uh, godly uh, lesser magistrates. But that's that's something we all have to be willing to do. Uh, this is this is what we're going to be being called to do. And uh, I, I just I, I, we, we have to pray any any Christian in law enforcement today. We have to pray for them. Because uh, I think many of them already know they're being put in a position. They, they're not going to be able to stay there. And so the church has to be there to, to stand beside them. Um, but what happened there today is just an example. That is a blue state. The Constitution means nothing to the left. It means nothing. There is no such thing as free speech. There isn't... There is one set of rules for the sexual perverts, and there's another set of rules for the people that want to protect kids. And they're on the side of the sexual perverts. And they will be judged for that. And they need to be told of that. No one talks about that. You know, all they know. No, they don't. No, they don't. They need to be told that. And that's what we have to do. That doesn't make us better than them. We have to do this as individuals who are thankful that God has opened our eyes to understand that coming judgment and that we have fled from that judgment to the only place that you can have eternal life, and that's in Jesus Christ. That's in Jesus Christ. So 
Um, amazing experiences uh, for those young men. Uh, those young men specifically said, hey, um, uh, Schroeder said in an interview with the Sentinel that the incident has encouraged him and his fellow church members to further boldness, knowing that the fight's not just going to go away. It was worth it. It's actually an honor to be counted worthy to stand with a cloud of witnesses who have gone before us and been arrested for the sake of spreading Christ in his kingdom, he said. If the police wanted to try and set an example for others or anything like that, the only thing I've seen is actually the exact opposite, where more and more people are seeing the severity of what's going on and being called to more action. That's true. That's true. Uh, Good job, young men. Uh, God bless you. And we must pray for the repentance of this nation, because my, my goodness. So you've unfortunately been stuck with me and my colorful shirt all day. Um, we will someday have Tobias back on when, uh, the, <laughs> when, the, when the camera will be working and uh, uh, things like that. But uh, thanks to both Jason and Tobias for joining us today. Uh, lots to get to on, I believe, Thursday when we'll be back again. Probably get back into some of the... Um, Dale Tuggy stuff, but there's been some discussion of Nicene Creed, confessionalism, all that stuff. Uh, that again, I, I think the I'll just say this one thing. I think the fact that we are engaging with the people denying the truth of the Nicene Council, whereas the people who confess the Nicene Creed, what are you gonna do? If you engage the Unitarians, the only way to engage them is the way we engage them, on the basis of Scripture. You can't just, they've got their tradition, you've got their their—you've got your tradition, and, and you all just sit there and go, well, look at my tradition, my tradition is better than your tradition. <laughs> there's, there's only one thing that's been given to the church that is powerful to change hearts and minds. It's the Word of God made alive by the Spirit of God. It's not, it's not anything else. There's nothing else that does that. And insofar as what Nicaea said was true to the scriptures, then proclaim it. But it's the scriptures that makes it true. And it's the scriptures that gives the power. That's the reality. That's the reality. So we'll talk about that and stuff on Thursday, Lord willing. Uh, I'm watching the, there's a homeschool place nearby. and They're busy today. And I think that's great <laughs> because you look at what's going on in the schools today and it is it is amazing. All right. Thank you very, very much for listening to the program today. Lord willing, we'll see you on Thursday. God bless. <laughs>